Hey, Billy, you ready for a podcast? I'm so ready for a podcast. I've never been <laughs> more podcast ready. Actually, I've never been less podcast ready. <laughs> it could be a problem because I think I've also never been less podcast ready. Oh, really? Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we do the thing and then we'll talk about it. Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about Amy Mann. News and announcements? Do you have any news and announcements? I don't, but I think you probably do. I have one piece of news and announcements. Lay it on me. So I, I went on the the r slash talking heads forum on Reddit, and I shared that we were doing the episode. And so there's a response from someone named Nick Guy Nice Car. So he wrote, thanks for sharing. Always happy to hear people talk about TH, that stands for talking heads. And y'all got a great chemistry, a fun listen. And then there's a little smiley emoji. Feels like a setup for, and now I'm going to slap you down. Here comes the butt. During the conversation, there were a few things that I don't think were entirely accurate, but please correct if I'm wrong. Nick Guy, nice car, is, is a nice guy. Very polite. Knows how to deliver bad news. Totally. You can tell. It's, it's the soft <laughs> smackdown, right? He writes, <laughs> and there are several bullets. The track, Nothing But Flowers, has that wonderful guitar you all talked about. And there was a link to Fela Kuti, who you all said, you know, introduced the band to. This isn't exactly right. While Fela was a chief influence during the Fear of Music, and especially Remain in Light sessions, the African influence for tracks off of Naked come more from the various African musicians who played during the recording sessions in Paris. Additionally, all four members of the band have stressed that they were all listening to Fela well before they even began to work with Eno, but it was a mutual love that led them down that pathway. Great point. Fair enough. When talking about the Oblique Strategies card deck, you mentioned that Eno used this strategy with Talking Heads. While Eno did famously use the cards on albums like David Bowie's Lodger, I haven't seen anything to suggest he ever used this strategy with Talking Heads. In fact, in a recent podcast appearance by Chris Franz, he directly said that they didn't use the cards and that there were plenty of ideas to work with coming from the band, so there really wasn't a need. So, if we're doing mea culpas on uh, Talking Heads, I'll just really quickly say that it, the Oblique Strategies wasn't only Brian Eno, it was also Peter Schmidt, and uh, I regretted not having dropped that name when I was talking about it. Right on. There's a closing, he said, thanks for making this podcast, I really enjoyed it. So I love hearing this kind of feedback from the episode, and I hope other people can share Billy, when I mix this down, can I just keep in the part where we're doing a great job, like the soft intro and the and then the polite exit and and skip all of the criticism? Because, like, that guy is clearly a super fan of Talking Heads. I'm not going to be able to satisfy. I don't know who our audience is then, because, like, they're going to be pissed off. People who don't know Talking Heads, maybe they don't care. Well, it's funny, right? Like, the whole idea of that Voice of Descent bonus episode thing was, you know, we're going to do sort of a survey of the artist in 30 minutes and make a lot of mistakes. And the super fans will be shaking their fists at the speaker saying, like, what about this? And you forgot that. That was a terrible idea, I think. 
I don't want to have my very confident declarations and proclamations be challenged by people who know what they're talking about. I have no interest in that whatsoever. We know we're going to blow it, right? So to me, if if Nick Guy, nice car, who clearly knows a lot more about talking heads than you and I do, shares his perspective, I think that's cool. I want to talk about Amy Mann. Yeah. And now we're really going to get into a territory where there are super fans. And I'm a fan of Amy Mann. And I think that I'm maybe more of a fan of Amy Mann as an artist and person than of her total output. I do like the work that she does. You mean than of her music? Yeah, but but I do. I am an admirer of the music. And, and I've got some picks that I think are just amazingly great songs. And we'll share those. But... Um, the, the reason I wanted to talk about her is because I, I feel like there's a kinship that I that I feel towards her. We're both born in Virginia or grew up in Virginia. And then we both went to Berkeley. She feels like my people, right? Mm. And so when the Steely Dan people, guys, took her off of their bill for the opening act to their tour this summer, she posted a thing online saying that, you know, they they had commented that they didn't think their audience would like a female uh, artist to open up for them. Hmm. I just felt like, screw those Steely Dan bastards. Yeah, what the hell? That's so weird. And we're going to talk about Amy Mann because she is awesome and she's got awesome music. Now, I may not be the best tour guide for this thing. And so, you know, if we, um, you know, drop a, hey, give this a listen into any of the Reddit feeds (laughs) that are Amy Mann specific. Which we will. The marketing department, you can't control them. I, I can't, and I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't presume. Right? They're like an untamable force. <laughs> they are totally untamable. So, and then here's one thing I really admire about her, and then maybe we'll stop talking and start, you know, listening a little bit. But, like, she seems like a person who has fit her career around herself hmm. as opposed to the other way around, which I think is the most common way of of people encountering their notoriety and fame. Hmm. You know, she is a genuine person and you can you can tell when you hear her be interviewed and you can tell from listening to her songs and the lyrics in her songs. Mm-hmm. And so um, totally worthy of a of a their very best episode. Yeah, that's great. Were you classmates when you were at Berkeley? No, she was she was, ahead of you, behind she was you? ahead of me. And and maybe this gives us a chance to talk about the first song that I'm gonna play. How um, far ahead was she? Like four or five years. Okay, so she was gone by the time you got there. Well, she was gone, but she was present because... uh, The Till Tuesday song, Voices Carry, was brand new when I started at Berkeley. Oh, that's so cool. It was a hit when you were there? It was a hit, but we weren't there to study, like, pop. First of all, I do love the song, and I might have felt a little bit self-conscious about admitting that when I was a freshman at Berkeley, but maybe not entirely, because it's it's a cool song. I do like this song, and I don't blame it at all for being an 80s hit, radio hit. To me, the drums sound like the Cars drums, too. That gated snare sound that you talked about. Right.
you look at the cover of this album and you look at the video, like it's clear that the studio, and I forget which one this is with, but is trying to be like, okay, here's beautiful woman. We're gonna make that a part of it. And the fact that she's got like a kind of uh, punky, crazy, new wavy hairstyle, like we're gonna bring into that. I love the braid in the back. She's got these big eyes, very expressive. And, and you can tell that like, this is the path they took her down. They took her down this path. And hmm. when you're a Berkeley student, when you're a student at all, and you're young and you're trying to do a thing, like you'll take whatever you can get. Sure. And so I can totally envision her being like, okay, I'll do this. I don't know. I think there, I think that there's a lot more to the story that I don't know about kind of the way she received. In terms of like the image management yeah. coming from the studio. Right? Yeah. But like, that's where she started. Yeah. So can I, can I share a reflection on the video for a minute or the song? It's so 80s. The guy in it is so 80s and the production of it is so 80s. Oh my God. That video was a great video in the sense that it told a story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the song tells a story. And it's a story about being oppressed by, you know, being in an abusive relationship that's controlling and domineering and then escaping well, from and, and it. Well, and also- right? That's what that story is about. You know, the story also is sort of about her as an object of beauty and being almost fetishized because of that by this person and by the audience it parallels what the studio was trying to do to her and so i wonder if they've i can't imagine that the studio whichever uh, you know whichever the label was that you know had an influence in this would just be like yeah make the video you want but like i wonder if they were at all aware right the irony of it all when they greenlit this video and said yeah okay let this represent you yeah but it's it is a great video I thought it was like a great representation of like what a video could do. It's a three and a half minute or so song and there's a whole narrative arc in it and it's cool. As a pop hit, Voices Carry is great. And yeah, I don't think it was terribly a reflection of Amy Mann as an artist. It might've been the band and maybe, you know, as a, as a youth act, like maybe it could represent kind of who they were at the time, but it was definitely not where they were going. And, and so I want to move in, if it's okay, move into, um, I'm going to go to the solo career. Before you do, there's one last thing I have to say about that song, which is a sort of parallel song to it, is Suzanne Vega's Luca. Like the song, just the subject matter of the song, like there's like a biographical, like I'm sharing with you that I've been in an abusive relationship. Like that's, that's what the lyrics are about in both. And I think they're both around the same time. So to me, they sort of go together. To me, the video, the video tells the story of someone escaping from a controlling, domineering thing. Yeah, okay. I, I'll, I'll, if, if we classify the abuse as, as in that category, I'll totally go along that. But I don't want to spend too much more time talking about this because I think sure. of it as just the sort of starting gate for her career because she right. needed to get out of there mm-hmm. and move into her next phase of, of her career. So she had this album called Whatever as mm-hmm. her first solo album. I'm going to play I Should Have Known from that album real quick. Great guitar noises. This album has Amy Mann lying down. She's got her Doc Martin boots on. Like the the sound of this song matches the image of there. And, And you can see where she's coming from 
as a product, huh. right? She's out of the Till Tuesday. She still has a little bit of the crazy hair. She's got her Doc Martens on because it's the 90s now, right? But here. I should have known. That's still a poppy little that 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 that. Yeah, yeah. It, it keeps it grounded in what where she came from and kind of who she is a little bit. Yeah. Like it's not all like rock guitars. It sounds awesome. I, I'm I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page for the album, and it looks like there were a variety of drummers: Michael Hausman, Jim Keltner, John Bryan. So. It, it mixes it up. Well, we should talk about John Bryan. Our friends over at the Fifty Fifty podcast have talked about him. I think it was I think it was them that was talking about John Bryan. But yeah, I feel like that partnership that they've had, and, and I don't know how close it was, you know, um, all throughout her career. But like, he definitely contributed a lot to the quality of what she recorded, and actually some of the performances. One thing before we move away from this album, whatever, is that she's got a personal story about a custody battle. The story on her family was that her parents were divorced and like, I think her, one of her parents took her to Europe when she was a child and then the other parent like came and took her back and there's essentially a custody battle for her. Give her a lot of trauma around yeah. travel. Super, super complicated. But I was thinking about that when I was listening to Voices Care terms of and and she sort of escaped from the south i think i think she describes that like when she went from virginia to boston berkeley yeah Yeah. and honestly i might be stupid to think love is love but i do the song on this album called mr harris Mm -hmm. is all about a it seems like a like a friendship or something that she had a kinship with um, some old man, Mr. Harris, and it's just a pretty song, mm-hmm. piano instead of guitar this time. And it, it seems to be all around sort of father figure, mm-hmm. not issues but topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an example of how sometimes the context of the song, like a father figure, must be what I want, will really contribute to your experience and enjoyment of that song right like if i if i just listened to the song without knowing her backstory i might not have understood kind of what she was trying to get to and there hmm. are other examples of that that we can touch on later hmm. but um i thought that that was a it was an interesting song to, to listen to i mean yeah. I, I like it as a song but it's not like yeah no but I, I hear what you're saying about context informing how you hear the song for sure so the next um solo album that she did is called i'm with stupid that's awesome. That's funny. There's this song called You Could Make a Killing, and this is the one that has that John Bryan guitar. Mm. And I know it's 
voice. We got to talk about her voice. Like the grain of her voice is so awesome. I wish I had a way of characterizing it, except it sounds like grainy. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like a texture to it. So you can make a killing. Yeah. It's a little bit of life in there. There's history. Yeah. You can make a killing. So you can make a killing. John Bryan. I love that sound. It's a great sound. It's so like no high end. It's almost like, it's like muted. It's got like a low pass filter on it. I was wondering if maybe some guitarists do this and I was never able to, to bring myself to do it. But if you take your wah pedal mm-hmm. and you just leave it in one position or another mm-hmm. and just don't wah it, mm-hmm. it has a great sound. And it sounds almost like he's got the make a the wah pedal like fully back. I'm sure it's not that. It's probably something else, but... That's, it's also only in the left ear, that sound. Well, trust John Bryan to make a good decision about how to mix it down. Yeah. Stay right here and save myself some trouble. So, if I'm going chronologically, the next thing in my little playlist is Save Me. Oh, yeah. Which is her giant, huge hit... This is a song that I do love, and I know that maybe it's pedestrian for me to love, best love, the song that is most known and maybe most played. You look like a perfect I think the official Their Very Best policy should be that sometimes the very best song is also the most popular one, and it's okay. Of the I think that is true here. I'm going to declare this her very best song. Uh-huh. Save me from the ranks of the freaks who suspect they could never love anyone. It's in one of my playlists. It's in uh, Super Mellow, uh-huh. which it is. One thing we haven't really talked about yet is... She's really well known for writing personal and thoughtful lyrics. Mm-hmm. Last night, Bill, we had a good time hanging out together with um, some of our fans. You know? <laughs> yeah, we had a fan, uh, an in person fan get together. Yeah. Let us know if you want to come to the next one, fans. We had fans and critics, mostly from your family. <laughs> we get to, uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> One of the things that one of the fans, and it was a fan that hadn't yet heard the podcast, but is a soon-to-be fan, was asking is, do you guys focus on the music or do you focus on the lyrics? And it's, I think it's pretty obvious that we don't, we don't talk about the lyrics that much. 
this would afford us an opportunity to do that here if either of us were a little more poetic. Literary. Yeah, literary. Um, you know. We can try. Tell me what the lyrics say to you on this song. It's a person looking for, in distress, and looking for a relationship to bring her or them out of that distress. Hmm. And the slightly melancholy nature of the song leads me to believe that she knows that this is a futile effort. And that is Hmm. a possibly completely wrong interpretation of the way it goes. Well, that could be just what it did for you. And I think that's... It's interesting to me. This is a female vocalist singing a song that might appeal to sad dads at times. You know what well, I mean? It appealed to this sad dad. I mean, I've got super mellow. Now you got the melancholy mix too. It's not on I've the got melancholy both of mix. them, and it's not in the melancholy mix. And sometimes you've got to choose because I don't know if it's a rule that I've in, <laughs> that I've enshrined in the playlist rules, going. but they could never love anyone. You can't have a song that's in both of those two playlists. You're, I love it. Super, it's going to be melancholy or super mellow. It can't so be both. So your playlists follow the Misi principle. They're mutually exclusive, <laughs> collectively exhausted. <laughs> oh, it's a sweet solo. That's pedal steel? Could be a lap steel, could be, I don't think it's a pedal steel. Save me from the ranks of the freaks that suspect they could never love anyone. That's a line with a lot of intensity to it. So I'm going to declare that her very best song. Great. And I hope that she wouldn't, I feel like she's knowable. Like she's a real person to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I almost never do I imagine the artists who, who were covering would mm-hmm. listen to our work. It, mm-hmm. uh, it, the closest we will ever come to that might be Amy Mann, who is a podcast mm-hmm. person and, mm-hmm. and a real person. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that she wouldn't f- be hurt by that. That yeah. you know, her one big fit, the hit that she could never get away from is the one that that we're declaring her very best. I hope so too. I think it's interesting that we've gravitated to artists, and maybe this is true of all the great artists. But like Amy Mann, David Byrne, Beck, all of these folks share this outsider aspect. Yeah. What's what do we have next? I've got a couple of a couple of more songs for you. Now, her next album has a story. I'm going to play this song called How Am I Different? And it's from Bachelor Number 2. Okay. How am I different? It's very much in line with kind of the, her established sound. I mean, we're into the year 2000 here. This is the year after the Magnolia giant hit. Mm-hmm. She was with Geffen Records and they refused to release this album. Hmm. It's great sound again. I wonder if John Bryan is, is a part of this, maybe. 
but it's called Bachelor Number Two, and she was working on it while she was a part of Geffen. They didn't want to release it. And refused to because there were no hits on it, hmm. according to them. Mm-hmm. And so she got out of her contract and started selling this album herself. Hmm. And it got critical acclaim. And I liked it as an album a lot. And in fact, I'm going to declare this her very best album. Oh, wow. It does have John. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it. It does have John Bryan on it in right. lots of the parts. And it sold 200,000. I wonder if it's that same guitar in the left ear again it sold it sold 200,000 copies so I wonder if and this is an interesting kind of side conversation that could be a whole podcast series to itself from a business perspective by Geffen Records if that was a good decision for them like singer songwriters were kind of becoming less popular perhaps in the it was a business decision and it was probably informed by something you know, I don't know how this did for for her as a career move or financially or any of that, but as a an act of her own maturity as a as an artist in her career, mm-hmm. like it was clearly the right move for her mm-hmm. as a human mm-hmm. and a real person and a person who shapes their career around themselves as opposed to the other way around. It was the right move. I also think it's great. The label the label was called Super Ego. Yeah. Which is like, you know, studios, <laughs> I don't need you. I'm I'm so confident in my own sense of self, in my super ego, that I'm gonna put this out independently and I'm gonna put it out under the label Super Ego. <laughs> That's awesome. So it just sort of happens that we're continuing chronologically and she's got so much work that I just I couldn't ever hope to represent it here. But there is yeah. one more song that made the list last minute when I was sort of browsing around. And it's the song on the album Mental Illness. And it's called Goose Snow Cone. Goose. Goose hmm. Snow Cone. Got it. I wonder if we should watch the video of it. Looks like LA. Amy Mann is the cat sitter. Mm-hmm. Is that the story? I think that's the story. She's the person she is sitting for. There's the cat. That's Goose. That's the original (laughs) Goose, actually. There's a story behind the story of this thing. Goose is not eating. Every look is a truce and it's written in stone. Oh, she's not taking the cat to the vet. Now, I'm going to confess. <laughs> I kind of hope I can keep it together right now because we've had some oh. problems with our kitty cat in the past. Um, and he's okay for now. But this is a sick kitty cat. And there's a concerned mommy, cat mommy. Mm-hmm. There's Goose. Oh. He's staying there. Goose is staying at the hospital. Got it. So the story behind this is that Goose is a real cat and she was feeling homesick. 
and this cat in the video is the actual original goose, and she saw an Instagram photo of the cat that belonged to some friends. And, um, and the, this is the story of a, she used Goose the cat as the sort of subject and title cat of the song, but the story about the cat being sick is about one of her cats. Um. And so here's where you get the, <laughs> the good, <laughs> Picks up the cat's oh, the cat's gonna be so the okay. Cat's, the cat's okay. So, Here's some medicine. <laughs> well, God, it's so moving for you. It's so sweet. Your being moved by it is moving me. <laughs> well, cat's eating. Cat's okay. Oh, wow. And now the cat's home. Cat's eating. Cat makes it. <laughs> Goose. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah, I'm, Do you a, need a minute? I'm okay. <laughs> well, our kitty's okay, too. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, and the cat sitter brought some cotton swabs. The cat sitter loves the cat, too. Right. So Amy Mann brought by the cotton swabs, which is the cat's favorite toy. <laughs> and so um, so we've had cat issues in our house, and uh -huh. um, I'm not that attached to our cat. <laughs> I love him very uh, much. Are you sure? <laughs> I love him very much. What makes me sad is thinking about somebody who loves the pet, like... Yeah. my boy or my girl yeah. and um, and what the uh, health threat to the cat mm -hmm. uh, did for them mm -hmm. so I'm laughing I'm laughing hard because I'm crying and I, I didn't think that that would actually happen so it's <laughs> oh man Martha is going to love this episode okay, I'm probably going to cut most of this out no way this whole yeah. thing has to stay all of it you're not going to cut any of this this is gold this is good stuff. I mean, that is an amazing video. It's like something, again, tells a whole narrative story in three and a half minutes. Tells a narrative story and gives you an entirely different context for the song itself. Like that song would have gone complete, in fact, did go completely unnoticed by me mm -hmm. when I was um, auditing the all of the songs. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I went through all the songs. I listened to some of them. I did not <laughs> notice that one. And then here's this video and it tells this story. <laughs> I love it. That is a, an amazing story. And also just thinking about what you described in terms of anticipating your family's sadness when something happens to the pets, right? That is When I'm emotional about poor Goose the cat, the fact that I've got these kids that can feel, it's almost like a um, emotion by proxy. It's called empathy, Walter. <laughs> it's empathy. Well, it's, it's new to me and I hate it, Bill. And I won't, I won't accept it anymore. <laughs> I won't have it. I won't have it. Yeah. Wow. So I was prepared to say, you know, Amy Mann, I don't really know. I, you know, I admire her and I'm a fan of, of she herself and, and of the music, but really she herself. But here we are. You're a fan of the artist and the art. Here we are having like a, a, a very different kind of episode. And I think it's been... There's so much to... I've got so many more things to say. This is spurring well, a lot. Start saying it, because I keep interrupting you. Sorry. Okay. Uh, last night, we were talking about watching teenage children be in relationships mm. and seeing those relationships as like a, a chance to try different behaviors, both as the relationship starts, as the relationship's ongoing, and as the relationship ends. And how It's practice. It, yeah. It's practice, right? And what this conversation just made me think of is like, 
having a pet, you know, pets live shorter lives than their, mm. than their humans, right? Seven to one ratio is what we've yeah. always said, right? Right. Yep. It's a chance to practice loss and love, loving, and now I'm going to cry, loving and losing, right? Like it's a chance to practice that and that's, yeah. and do it in the sort of comfort and safety and warmth of your family who can support you for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Bill. I'm here for you, my, my man. Oh my God. Who's going to tell you when? Anyway, so that- It's a safe- <laughs> Their very best podcast is a very what safe... What the hell is happening on this episode, man? Yeah. So that's amazing. Wow. What an episode of their very best, Walter. I guess I need to make a declaration here, right? It is decided for Amy Mann. I'll reiterate the declarations I've already made. Best song, her very best song, Save Me from Magnolia. And her very best album, Bachelor Number 2. The thing that really launched her away from the studio system that wanted to direct her personality and her life and and so that she could be herself mm. and it's a good album mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um with good songs on it it's awesome i feel like i missed saying something okay who's gonna pick you up when you co-host revenge amy man also has a lot of great covers that you can find online. oh i know where you're going here. <laughs> And one of the covers she covers is Drive by the Cars, yeah. <laughs> which I loved. I was like, I win when I discovered that. I was so happy to share it with you. Yep. Well, get in touch with us, listeners. We have lots of ways to do that. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things at their very best. And Reddit, apparently. And Reddit. And you can email us at contact at their very best. Or if you have a correction for us, you can write wrong at their very best. <laughs> and we have a website, www dot theirverybest.com If you just type theirverybest.com it'll work it out. Oh, you got the redirect going? Nice. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Got you. <laughs> so, please leave a review and remember, it's got to be five stars. High five stars after this emotional episode. If you if you don't like the emotion, low five stars, five stars only, please. Yeah, we love the reviews. We're going to also start reading some of the reviews online, so we'll make you famous. And um, my job here is to hype the playlists, and that's in bold here. Okay, these playlists are amazing. Really, all they are is a is a list of the songs that we played in the episode that we liked, and 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 it's worth checking out. Like if if you're learning about a, a band that you've that you don't know real well or don't know at all, like these playlists are probably a good place to start. So I feel like I've hyped the playlist. You've, you've well totally hyped the playlist, and you know what I sort of wonder is like, why do we care about hyping the playlist? Is sort of like what the whole podcast is about. Like we're just happy to share music we like and. The playlists are an extension of that, as is the website where we have a bunch of cool links and stuff. So we're going to do more of these episodes. So beware. Watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future with crying. I'm Bill. (laughs) I'm Waldron. And thanks for listening to their very best. Who's going to drive you home tonight? Ah, embarrassing. That's all right.